Welcome into the January 18th edition of the Lockdown Leafs Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. What a wild game down at Scotiabank Arena. The Leafs come back to beat the Cats in overtime. Had a little bit of everything in this one, so let's not waste any time. Let's get right into things here, Dave. You're listening to Lockdown Leafs Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive at TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Lockdown Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcasts from, you can also catch us up on YouTube, search up Lockdown Leafs. On YouTube, hit subscribe and get daily content delivered directly to you uh, Monday through Friday. It's all Leafs all the time here on the Lockdown Leafs pod. Um, we This was a crazy game. Like, honestly, like I, I tweeted out in the second period, said this game is drunk. And then the third period, it, it just got even more drunk. Like, it was just absolute madness. And the Leafs with a big comeback victory, down 4-2, come all the way back to tie it, and then win it in overtime 5-4. There were there were big skirmishes and scrums. You had Leafs sticking up for each other. You had some depth scoring. You had the big boys going. Matthews and Willie got some goals. You had Marner on the stat sheet. There was a penalty shot. Coaching rants post game. Goalie pulls. Am I missing anything? I mean, there was legitimately so much that went into this game. Um, I, that that might have been the most like in terms of like entertainment. Maybe the most entertaining game of the season so far for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think that's pretty, especially because they got the win. I think if they lost, that helps. Yeah, I definitely don't think. Uh, I yeah, I definitely don't think people would call that entertaining if the Leafs had lost that game. But yeah, I, I think the big thing about this game, it was looking very ugly, and you pull the goaltender, and you're just like, ah, maybe it's just not their night. And what the Leafs do. They do what I don't. Sometimes they do. They can pull it off where they're down and they're like, they find a way to get the win. They get find a way to come back. Other times, like they're down. I think of like the Seattle game. It's just like, just not our night. Kind of pack it in. But I like the fact that they didn't pack it in because at this point of the year, every point matters. Even if they had lost in overtime, getting a point in that game was crucial. And I felt like. They definitely did deserve to get the result they got. Yeah, I, I think like the difference between that and the Seattle game was Seattle was uh, like a worthy competitor. Like they're like, it, but Toronto, it legitimately felt like Toronto was in full control of the game. There was just some, you know, Matt Murray didn't have a great night. He allowed four goals on eight shots. He gets the yank, and then uh, Ilya Samsonov comes in, and I guess it was a revenge game for him. I don't know if you saw the comments post game, but he's like. Yeah, you know, they eliminated me from the playoffs last year when I was with Washington, so it was a little bit of a revenge game. So to get that win and to play well against uh, the Panthers, it was just a little bit extra for him. Um, and it also keeps his uh, strong home streak intact. I think he's like 10-0-1 or 10-1-1 at home this year. It's it's quite quite incredible, actually, his, uh, his home record. Um, 
But like outside of those goals, which really we could talk about them in a minute, Toronto was in pretty full control. Like they didn't allow a whole lot um, to Florida, I would say. And for the most part, spent a lot of the time in the offensive end and had a lot of really quality looks at the net too. Like that game could have easily, they could have easily scored four or five goals in that first period if Bobrovsky wasn't, you know, playing up to up to his elite status that that he's able to do and what he did earlier in this game. Yeah, that was the big part for me is that, you know, you you felt like as long as they continued to get their chances, something was about to happen. Like Bobrovsky was good, but we know that Bobrovsky has had his issues being consistent start to end of a game. Like Florida has always had good starts. They get a lead and then they always struggle to keep the lead. Right. Yeah. Did you see that stat? Uh, that stat at, in the, uh, like at the start of the third period, or at the, it was at the end of the second period. It's like they're plus whatever in the first period, plus in the second period. And then the third period, their goal differential was minus 19. So they've given up 19 more goals than they've scored in the third period. And guess what I did as a degenerate better the second I saw that statistic? <laughs> you hammered that leaf. The which one did you hammer? What did you? Hammer? Oh, I hammered the Leafs money line. I hammered the Leafs money line. I think it was like plus two thirty at the time, um, and I hammered that bad boy, and and it paid out. Um, and and then again, they they did struggle in the third period. Like Toronto was all over them in the third. I mean, there was a lot of penalties. I think maybe that's where we could transition into like the the game. <laughs> was barely played at even strength. There was only 43 minutes of five on five hockey in this, uh, in this entire game. Um, only 10 minutes of five on five hockey in the second period. Like how insane is that? It's just, it's, it's, it's because it, when I was looking at the stats at the end of the game and you try to look at the stats at five on five and you're just like, but like, there was so much time spent not at five on five that you can't, you can't just look at the uh, how a player, a certain player, performed at five on five. That's just how this game was, and I always love listening to Paul Maurice post game. That guy is just a treasure, especially after this game. Did you want to? Did you want to pull up some of the comments and and discuss some of the comments that are made by Paul Maurice? I mean, I'll be honest; like there were a couple of calls that were bizarrely ticky tacky like i i didn't think that that radko gudas hit was charging i thought that was a pretty clean hit to be honest on pierre engvall um but i i mean they put him in the box and they end up getting the matthews goal out of it to make it four three and kind of give him that spark heading into the third period so like i would rightfully be pretty upset with that one there were a couple other calls throughout the game that uh that they probably were really upset about like th- just the entire game was was played shorthanded for for one team or the other it's just i don't know but but like to your so i heard a lot of people you know complaining about officiating but when you're watching a game what do you think makes you more upset dave ticky tack calls or non-calls non-calls because if, right. especially when it's obvious like ticky tack calls if both teams are getting ticky tack calls there's consistency there but when it's an obvious no call is made like that's just blatant. It's more blatant than uh, you know, it's it is a penalty, but that's a ticky tack penalty. It's penalty. Then call the penalty. Like I don't have no problem if it's a ticky tack penalty. Yeah, and like I for the most part, I thought that 
you know, what was considered, I don't know, maybe 50-50 call, they called it. Um, it wasn't that they missed a lot, but they just called everything. And a couple of things, I guess you could say, were a little ticky-tacky that, you know, like I said, the, the Gouda hit was one that probably didn't, that Marner one in the first period uh, on Eric Stahl was definitely one where it's like, really, you're, you're going to call that Lilligren? I don't know what Lilligren got, got, got the uh, – that whole thing was just bizarre, that whole situation. Um, so, like, there were some calls that were like, I don't know what the heck's going on here. But, you know, at least the ones that were egregious were called for the most part. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's Paul Maurice had some choice words for the officiating afterwards. But I think that the officiating, I don't know if it went against Florida as much as he is making it seem to be. I think it kind of was – I mean, when you look at the power plays, yes, they were pretty, um, you know, only three power plays for Florida, but seven power plays for Toronto. So, yeah, when you break it down, obviously Florida ended up with more. But I think both had a couple of, like, ticky-tacky calls that both coaches could probably be upset about. It didn't just go one way where it was Florida who got screwed there. Yeah, as uh, Paul Marie said post-game, it wasn't Florida Panther friendly in terms of what the officiating was like out there. Um, funny enough, he said he told he said he told his players that those calls had nothing to do with them. Rather, one of the referees tonight having a long-standing feud with them, and then it was uh, Jacob uh, Stoller on Twitter who actually found footage from 2016, uh, or was shown footage from 2016 of Maurice getting uh, ejected. After getting into it with Francois Saint Laurent, who was oh, one no. of the referees tonight, so <laughs> it's funny he's just like one of the referees, and it takes two seconds to figure out who exactly he's talking about. Um, I like how he's trying to be like all sneaky about that, and then he's still gonna get, like, yeah, yeah, fine for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's worthy of. I mean, if it doesn't, then Sheldon Keith's gonna be like. So what exactly constitutes a fine <laughs> from the league when it comes to officials? But he also, Maurice, I, at first I had to like read this a couple of times to make sure I understood him correctly. So I'm going to actually pull up this tweet just so that our viewers on YouTube can see it. Uh, he had this to say as well about the uh, overtime loss. Lots of energy, excitement, profanity. <laughs> They flew us out to the West Coast, flew us back home, flew us back, flew us home, flew us up here, and back to back us. And then they threw those two guys at us. I think we hung in there pretty good. I'm proud of our group. He did not mince his words one bit. No, that's, uh, that's a shot at the schedule maker. I guess sending him out to the West Coast and then back in a game in Florida. They were in Buffalo last night and then up in Toronto today. So I think I did look. They, I think this was, this was their fourth game in six nights. So, you know, Toronto was in that situation last week, right, when they played. I think the, the Detroit game was like their fourth game in six nights or something like that. And, um, you know, in, in that aspect, yes, I think – Florida could be happy with the fact that they were in this game and were able to get a point out of it, but not happy at how it happened. You know, a couple of power play goals and a comeback, you're leading 4-2, and then you kind of let things get away from you a little bit, um, and, and you give the momentum back to the Maple Leafs, and then it kind of tilted in their favor for basically the whole third and then into overtime. 
I don't even think they got a shot in overtime. I think it was pretty well all Toronto um, once they got there. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, Paul Maurice probably a, a little cheesed at the officiating and, and the amount of calls that went against his team. But uh, I guess he's happy that he was able to pick up a point against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who's a, a great team. Like, that's a good quality win. You come into Toronto, a team who plays really well at home, you know, on home ice, and you're able to, to take away a point, you know. So I think if you would have asked him, you know, three days ago, hey, if you can at least get a point out of Toronto, would you take it? He'd probably say, well, we'd rather two, but if we can get one, I think that's not too bad. So it's probably the way that he's looking at it, uh, happy with the effort his group gave just, uh, you know, the guys, the guys in the stripes didn't do, didn't do many favors. Um, Matt Murray allowed four goals on eight shots. It was highlighted in the broadcast quite a bit um, about how all these shots are coming in high glove, and we know that's been a situation for him coming from Ottawa. That was what our. our you know, pals at Locked On Sense talked about, you know, Murray's got an issue with that high glove. And he said that's kind of one of his big downfalls. He keeps that glove too low. He doesn't raise it for some reason. It, it acts like he's got a 10-pound a, a weight in there, and he keeps it low, and then he can't get it up to make the save in time. A um, couple of times he was caught again today. And then uh, Elliot Friedman, I don't know if you want to break it down a little bit more, but he was talking about how – I missed the pregame, but I heard it at him referring to it in intermission – talking about how he's got a little bit of a lean to his blocker side, which may be opening up that glove side. Cause when he's leaning this way, it's, you know, moving him cause he's turning or something. It's he's showing not a, him he's not that. A square to the puck. When yeah. He's, when, and it kind of takes him a little bit out of position too, because now he's opening up a lot more room on that glove side for a player to come in and, and shoot on him. Like, so here's my thing. Here's my thing. Actually, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, like I'm looking at those goals scored tonight, like the Verhage goal, he didn't track that one properly, and that obviously you see the glove is low, and Verhage went up high, he misses it. The Mahira goal, again, that's that's a very similar one where it's clear he wasn't tracking that to go as high as it did, and it did. But the other two goals, like the one uh, Barkov scored, that was blocker. That's a perfect shot. Not many goaltenders are really saving that one, in my opinion. And then the breakaway, well, the rebound off the breakaway goal, that's just you make the initial save and the other guy just beats you yeah. on the rebound. Yeah. But, yeah, like those two goals, like the two goals where he was beat clean, yeah, you could see that there were, they were, there's a bit of, I think there's a bit of work there that's going to have to be done on that glove side. Um, and So my only thing about that is like, so if this was brought up pregame, Clearly, somebody noticed this. Yeah. How is Curtis Sanford not the first person to notice this as the goaltending coach and say, "Hey, you're you're kind of leaning a bit here. Let's make sure that we get you square." Like that's that's got to be the the number one thing that these guys are going to have to be doing in practice. Now it's an off day tomorrow on Wednesday, so there will be no practice. I'll be curious to see who gets that start against Winnipeg on Thursday, um, just because they both played tonight, but. You know, I wonder if that's something that they're going to want to work on and get a practice, at least one practice of that. Like, hey, let's let's get you going square and let's make sure that you're not leaning, you know, to your blocker side, leaving yourself exposed a little bit a top shelf. 
because that's where a lot of these goals have been coming from. Um, and, and they showed replays. It wasn't just today's goal. There's been over the course of the last couple of weeks, a few goals that have happened that way where he's dropping down a little bit, favoring that side, and it's leaving a little bit of space open above the shoulder. So um, I would hope that uh, this brand new goaltending department can find these issues before the media does and before it gets highlighted and they can try and rectify things here. Um, you know, that's, I mean, maybe they are trying and he, he's just, I don't know, today forgot, uh, to, uh, do different things, but, uh, certainly something to monitor going forward. All right, let's take a quick break, Dave. When we get back, let's get into uh, our three stars of the game. Uh, so we'll do that on the other side. Uh, but first, a word from one of our show sponsors, and that's betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro- professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to the NHL to NBA. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs. Toronto, the 5-4 comeback victory over the Florida Panthers. And it was an important win, man, because I don't know if you've looked at the standings lately, but the Tampa Bay Lightning... Two points behind on their heels. Did they play tonight? I don't even know if they play tonight because if so, that also uh, they could be, you know, a little closer. They did not play. So now they've extended that back to a four-point uh, lead, I guess, over the Lightning. So it was kind of an important win to try and keep up because you got that team who's uh, firing on all cylinders right now. Uh, but a 5-4 win, and as we do after each and every victory here on the podcast – we go through our three stars of the game. So, Dave, give me your third star tonight. Oh, um, I'm going to give it to Morgan Rowley. Nice. I love the play he made on the uh, Dryden Hunt goal. Those are the plays Morgan Rowley was, is supposed to be making as you know, the offensive defenseman that he was signed to be. So that... You know, considering the last few days we've talked a lot about Morgan Rowley, I thought it was nice to see him kind of step up with a nice play like that. And, you know, he wasn't terrible tonight. I didn't really know, you know, didn't really hear his name being spoken a lot in terms of his uh, his game. And I'm, I guess part of that has to do with the pairing with Timothy Lilligren. Yeah. Yeah. And, and prior to the game, um, Sheldon Keefe was speaking with the media and, and had said, you know, we got him with Lily. We think that Lily can help him, help stabilize him a little bit. And uh, I think you're right. I think that happened tonight. It was it was very quiet for them. They were both, um, Morgan Riley was on the ice for 10 shots at 5-on-5, five five, just five against. So, you know, 66% shot share while I was out there on the ice, 62% expected goals, um, and 10 scoring chances in his favor while he was out there tonight. So, uh, or no, wait, that was uh, Lilligren, 10 scoring chances while he was out there. Hold on. Actually, yeah, no, same, because they played together. I don't know why I was looking at that <laughs> differently. They played together, so that makes sense. Um, but they did have a lot of, like, defensive zone starts, and they still were able to have those favorable matches. For only 45% of their zone starts were in the offensive end, so um, six D-zone face-offs for them tonight, and they were still able to come up uh, on the positive end of things more often than not. So certainly a good sign for Morgan Riley, who has kind of been the whipping boy a little bit, 
Um, I had him as my second star of the game uh, I, I you know, for the same reasons that you did. He made that really nice pass. Um, I thought that he was just played a simple game, a clean game, you know, cut down on, on his turnovers, which were costly the last time that he was out there against the Boston Bruins. Uh, but overall, like he was just a horse tonight, played 24 minutes, uh, 44 seconds, and uh, ended up with, with, with an assist, you know, had a block, a hit. So he was kind of out there. Um, doing his thing, looking more like the Morgan Riley that, that we've come to, to know and love. He looked like he was skating a little better today, too. So hopefully that can get him going on the right side. Um, so that was my second star. For, but as for my third star, I actually gave it to Ilya Samsonov. Um, I know he only came into the game like halfway through, but he was perfect uh, tonight, right? Like he he was really dominant once he got in there. He didn't have to make too, too many like 10-bell saves. But he did have to make that one in the third period. I think it was on Goose, Gus Forsling um, where he made that flash the leather a little bit. Uh, but four high-danger saves is what he's been um, credited for in tonight's game. Uh, stopped all of them, made 11 stops in total. Uh, 1.2 expected goals against. So he was uh, plus 1.2 goals expected uh, on the night. So... Now, it was just nice to see him get out there and, and kind of give this team a bit of a jolt um, and make the big stops, I guess, when they needed them. So I decided to give him uh, the third star and came away with the win for Toronto. And that was kind of a big turning point was changing up the goalie. I think that and probably the skirmish with Austin Matthews where Michael Bunting went and got into a fight, basically. That was another kind of turning point, I think, in, in the game as well. Yeah, I, I think though you look for you know turning points, the goalie change definitely was one of them. I felt like Toronto Sheldon Keith, you know, that was a calculated move. I you know, he said it was more so to try to get the team to turn things around. That worked. And and it worked. Like you know, that doesn't always work, but at that time it did work for sure. Uh your first star of the game, Montfrey. You mean my second star? All right, because I already did my second. So yeah, your your second star, uh, Austin Matthews, mm. his third straight game with a goal. What a goal that was! He scored. Like I I saw a really dumb tweet out there. Um, it's I think it's Oilers Analytics or Oilers Lytics or something oh. like that. This guy who constantly likes. To, I feel like he's not an Oilers account it feels like he just talks about the leafs 90 he's a troll he's, he's a troll that's that's yeah. what we call those in the biz dave troll yeah. he said that uh he believes that uh conor mcdavid is developed has developed a better shot than austin matthews i found that to be quite quite a take to be the dumbest, dumbest thing i've ever heard literally yeah. might be the dumbest thing i've ever heard look conor mcdavid has been fantastic this season um no doubt about that Austin Matthews still has one of the best releases and shots in the league. I don't even think that Connor McDavid has the best shot for a guy named Connor in the NHL, let alone best player in the NHL, Kyle Connor. But I digress. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he had uh, five shots on goal. He had a goal in this game. He also had – it's not often that you see Austin Matthews, like, lead the forwards or among one of the forwards leading in five-on-five five ice time. He was just behind David Camp in that regard. He was uh, tops among forwards. Usually that's Mitch Marner that leads the way. David Camp led all forwards in ice time? 
Yeah, five on five. Five on oh, five. Five on five. Okay. I wanted to make that clear. At five on five, I believe it was Mitch Marner that led all fours because, oh, sorry, Austin Matthews led all fours by not that much, but him and Mitch were. But you know, he's bringing himself back. I mean, whatever was ailing him before, those two games off seemed to provide the the rest he needed because he hasn't missed a beat since. Where's the play? I, I noted a play, a defensive play that I really, really liked um, from Austin Matthews tonight. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like it was four and four uh, when they were playing four and four. Let me see if I can. Uh, ooh. Yeah, it was in the third period Four. No, wait, where where is this? It was in the first period, maybe? Ah, yes. Yeah, so it was in the first period, actually. Like, Riley was in deep on a rush at 4-4, four and four, and the puck ended up going with the Panthers on the counterattack, and he ended up back-checking hard and ripping that puck off and negating the odd-man rush and scoring chance and kind of turned the puck back the other way and got possession back for Toronto. It was very reminiscent to the play that he had made in Minnesota last year. If you recall, when we did, like, our – goals of the year when we did our, our year in review i used that one because that was the play where that made me say okay this guy's on another level right now one of, he's the best player in hockey he's gonna win the ted Lindsay. when i saw that play occur i'm thinking to myself okay he's he's returning to form austin matthews is returning to form and then five shots tonight he was you know firing them on goal you know, he was at, he wasn't going wide. He was actually on on net, and then the goal itself was very Austin Matthews esque. Um, and he was kind of all over the place tonight. He was setting some things up, and uh, he was skating really well in and out of you know zones and trying to stretch the defense. Yeah, I, I really liked Austin Matthews' game tonight as well. Um, I'm assuming your first star though is the same as mine, and that is uh, Willie Styles, Bill Nye the wrist shot guy who didn't use a wrist shot to end the game, rather deked Bobrovsky out of his pants and a quick, tidy little tuck into the back of the net for the victory. His second goal of the game, three points on the night. He was the hero and really looked like a man possessed in the probably third and fourth period. Uh, Is that also your first star of the game? Of course. I mean, what satisfied me the most about that overtime, well, other than the ridiculous move to beat Bobrovsky there, was that did you notice which player he danced around to score on Bobrovsky? Would it be former Maple Leaf Carter Verhage? Yes, Leaf Killer Carter Verhage. Mm-hmm. How do you like them apples? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did score a goal tonight as well. So, he but he was all, he took the minus on that one. He did. He absolutely did. Um, but yeah, I thought I like Willie, Willie was fantastic tonight oh, and got lucky, I guess, on that first goal, like the, the tying goal just kind of went off his head. Good, you're also lucky. Hey man, you gotta be good to be lucky, right? You gotta, you know what it is? Right place, right time. You go to the front of the net. Good things happen. Happened with Dryden Hunt and it happened again with William Nylander. Go to the front of the net. This is what they tell you in peewee hockey. Go to the net kids. Good things will happen. This is a strange game with a, a rubber puck that bounces off ice, off shins, off feet, and even off of helmets. And you could score many different ways. And uh, yeah, Nylander was rewarded for for having a, a good night and going to the places that you do score those gritty goals. And then he scored a beauty a little bit later. And I have a theory. 
Dave. I have a theory why tonight in particular he decided to snap out of his skid. Um, and even Sheldon Keefe, uh, he had some glowing remarks to say about um, Morgan Riley after the game or William Elander after the game, just talking about how good he was tonight and how impactful he was for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm just trying to pull up here, just trying to remember who I saw tweeted it. I believe probably Mark Masters. Masters does a really good job at uh, at tweeting this stuff out. Um, let me find it really quickly here. Uh, oh, now I can't find it. Keep on bunting. No. All right. Basically, what he said was, you know, last couple of games, Will hasn't been his dominant self, but tonight he got back to being that dominant self that he's been for us all year long. And uh, he really put the team on the back and um, was rewarded for it with a couple of goals, including the game winner. And my theory is, Dave, because in about, well, by the time everyone's listening to this podcast, you will no longer be able to. But at the time of us doing this, it's 11.47 p.m. Tuesday night. In 12 minutes, the all-star voting stops. I think he put on one last show to try and propel himself into the all-star game. That was his final showing, the bid that says, hey, I deserve to be there, and I'm going to show you why. Get on my back, folks. We're going to the promised land, a.k.a. W World, Willie Winning World. And uh, that's my theory as to why he kind of went Super Saiyan in the third and overtime periods tonight. Yeah, uh, I just sent a note to the Discord group to get their uh, get their votes in just before. Thank you for reminding me because I totally forgot that this was the deadline for the voting. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I got some. I have some quotes here from uh, Sheldon Keith on Nylander. I don't think he had been skating en- enough or shooting enough. They go hand in hand. Both things are signs that he is engaged in the game and going. And yeah, he was talking about how he was really good in the third period, challenging, skating and challenging the net. Uh, the speed he got him the penalty shot, and then he goes to the net and gets an ugly one. Like those are, he's a, he can be a difference maker. Like. When he gets a burst of speed and he comes in at that angle where he can cross over to the right, not many times does he get st- like can he, can a player defend him on that? He is yeah. so good at shielding the puck. He is so good at just. I think it also has to do with his his skating stride is so smooth, like it's just effortless for him. Powerful, it's powerful yeah. is what it is. And the second he gets a corner. You know, it's it's tough to defend. And, you know, Carter Verhage is not the biggest guy, and he's not a defenseman either. So he's not used to having to defend a guy like that in that position. And, you know, he wasn't sure what to do. And uh, William Nylander just kind of put the shoulder down, took it to the net, crossed the crease, and uh, tucked it in. And, and the rest is history. That's game, right? And everyone went home happy. So, uh, yeah, you've got uh, – well, there's 10 more minutes, I guess. Obviously, everyone listening to this won't have a chance because this won't be up until uh, after midnight, I would assume. Um, but, I, I mean, I think he deserves to be there. Like, if the Maple Leafs had – had, if they could only send one extra person – whoa, what's going on here, Dave? Oh, hold on. What's going on here? Oh, my God. David went possessed. I don't know what happened with Dave. Um, we'll see if we can get him back here in a second. But if oh, there's gosh. one thing – no, you're still possessed. If there's one thing that I think, uh, if, if the Leafs only had one person that they were able to send to the All-Star game as part of the vote, 
I think it'd be Willie over Austin. I think he deserves it more, to be quite honest with you. Like, Austin Matthews is the better player, no doubt about it. Should the best players be at the All-Star game? For sure, I think so. But I also think that it should be earned. And I think Nylander has earned that right over Austin Matthews, and he's been the more consistent and the better player to this point in the season. I don't think there's much of an argument there. So I really hope that Nylander gets the recognition he deserves and uh, gets himself into the all-star game. Hashtag Nylander ASG vote. I, you know, one thing I didn't realize, do they show how much, the one thing I like about with baseball, with the NBA and the MLB, they show how many votes the players get. NHL doesn't do that. No, I don't think so. I haven't seen any, like any, well, I think they might, they, they probably, might show it at the end to see how that voting went. Uh, see how, how it looks. I used to. Now I think about it. Like when it was voted on, I'm, I'm pretty sure they used to do uh, polling so you could see where guys were at. Um, they'll do percentage. Like I like to see how many. Like 148,612 votes. Yeah. Now I like, I like to see how close. Like if Neilander, let's say, misses out. Like how how close was he? Right, that's kind of what I would like to know. Right, but uh, yeah, I'm just taking a quick look here at the All Star voting, and yeah, I don't. That's probably part of the reason why my computer glitched. They need to. Uh, uh, I don't know if we want to get into this discussion, but like, I just hate the the way that the All Star process is done. Like, I I don't want to be old man yelling at the cloud, but I think three on three over three on three at the all-star game is stupid i think it's not how the game is played i it, it doesn't allow for defensemen to end up at the all-star and to play the game the way it's supposed to be played less players end up at the all-star game and just the way that the voting goes where every single player or every single team has to have a player you don't have the true stars of the game there it's you know the team's best players and then a couple of good players as well uh, it's just, I don't know, the whole thing for me is silly. But when someone does deserve to go, they should get to go. And I do firmly believe that. And for me, William Nylander deserves to go to the All-Star game. Yeah, no, I, I think, like. Plus, we've seen what uh, a couple days rest has done for Austin Matthews. Imagine give him some more rest in a few weeks. From yeah, I personally believe if a, if a player is going to go to the All-Star game from the Leafs, a second player, it is going to be Nylander. Like, there is there is a big push to get Nylander there over Matthews. Just based on what I'm seeing online, right? I'm not, I don't know how fans are voting with the fan voting, obviously, on the, like I see just on, on social media. So I do think there is a big push to get Nylander there. And look, out of all the fan bases, the Leafs have the top in terms of social media. So... Hopefully that's that lends Nylander a bit of an edge there, because he deserves it. You're you're totally right. Like I, there's he's probably been if out of all the Leafs players this season, I've been the most impressed with him. Yeah, just because this guy, ever since the he started was drafted by this team, has taken a lot of flack. Right? Oh, why didn't they pick Nick Ritchie? Right, I remember all that right from the start when he was drafted. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, right before, right, 
And then how, you know, oh, you know, they picked another, you know, skill for forward, like skilled forward. You know, he had he's he's dealt with a lot throughout his time with Toronto, the contract stuff. Everybody wanted him traded, right? Everybody wanted him traded for whatever they could get, right? Not me. I didn't want to trade him for JT Miller last year. I didn't say something silly like that. What are you talking about, Dave? Oh, geez, do I have to? <laughs> oh no, my. Oh no. Don't go looking for the receipts. Don't go looking for the receipts because I don't have that opinion any longer and thankfully i'm not the general manager of the hockey club and didn't make that mistake um all right dave let's wrap things up here anything else you want to get off your chest before we say goodbye to the good listeners um i somebody was asking uh, somebody asked me who do i think should get the start of the next game mm-hmm. i think you give samson off the next game i think you like if it's an off day Murray's not going to get that chance to kind of work his way like through that game. Then give the next game to Samsonov, and then you decide after Thursday's game who gets to start on Saturday against Les Habitants. The team that Matt Murray played in night one of the NHL season, that Les Habitants? Right. Hmm. I think I am aligned with you in that thought process. Uh, all right. Uh, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. Good, solid victory by the Toronto Maple Leafs. A fun game to watch and a fun game to kind of break down as well. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Hello, Dave, at D underscore Morisuti. Uh, We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.